Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being just who you are to us. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts from your word. Lord, I, I enjoyed singing to you and about you this morning, Lord. It always moves my heart, Lord, and I thank you for that. I, I thank you for song and instrument. Lord, I thank you for bringing us to your throne. I thank you for Stephen and Bart leading us there. Lord, I pray today that you would reveal yourself to many, not just here, Lord, but all over the world. Lord, we see so much uh, division and distress. And Father, I know that that is not from you, but I know that you are aware of it. And I pray that as you uh, allow this to happen, that you reach out to many hearts that have strayed and bring them home again, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you know, we have kind of found ourselves uh, in a strange place today in our society, haven't we? And last week we talked about um, trials and we talked about the judgments of God. And I certainly feel as if this is one that we're going through as a country. We're, he's, uh, he's allowing these things to happen to get our attention. We talked about how to handle that last week, and I want to continue that theme today in how to handle the trials that we face. James chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning, and as you're turning there, I want you to know that the Bible teaches us that our faith needs to grow. No matter how old you are or how long you've been a Christian, your faith must continue to grow. It all starts out small. We all have a small amount of faith. At salvation, but as we mature and as we grow in Christ and as we live and follow Him, that should become larger or stronger, your faith. And as that faith happens, then we begin to trust in Him more and more and more. And we're able to live life, even in difficult times. All right? We have to even be like the disciples in Luke chapter 17 when they asked the Lord to increase our faith. Amen. And the way that God does that is that He puts you through testing or trials. And we're going to find about this testing this morning in James chapter 1. When we go through these trials, they produce in us stronger faith, which produces in us endurance or perseverance. And we are able then to handle greater difficulty, more problems, more stress, more issues in life because our faith is growing exponentially as we become closer to Him. And so the older and longer you get as a Christian, the more you ought to be able to handle. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. And James brings that out to us very well this morning in his book. Let's stand and read. Uh, the first eight verses of James chapter 1. Thank you for standing in honor of reading God's Word in His house. James 1, 1 says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word, and I pray you speak it loudly to all of us here. And Lord, help us to surrender to your will this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, the book of James, I'm sure many of you have read it. If you haven't, you really need to. And don't be surprised when it punches you right in the face, okay? Because that's what James does. James doesn't want to hear about your faith. James wants to see it. Amen. James probably coined the phrase, talk is cheap, okay? James is the type of guy who wants to see the results of faith, not you talking about having it. It's important that we, we see that. We read these verses. We'll probably not make it all the way through 8 today. I hope we can pick that up next Sunday if the Lord so directs. But James is writing to groups of believers who have been dispersed. What is his point? His point is this, that true faith shows itself in practical, everyday, godly living. He's not asking you to become a preacher. He's not asking you to become a missionary or an evangelist or, or anything like that. He's just saying, show me your faith. Let me see it in the way you live every day. It's important that we see that because, or read this, because a lot of the books we understand uh, don't... Well, let me say it like this. James doesn't put out a lot of doctrine we read a lot of doctrinal statements in other books of the Bible. James is about the results of doctrine. Amen. You say you have it, let's see it. Okay, that's what James is trying to tell all of us this morning. True faith shows itself in practical, everyday, godly living. Here are some themes in the book of James. One, endurance through trials. Amen. The danger of riches. Law and love, faith and works. And he ends the book with the coming of Jesus Christ. His main point, I believe, in this book is that true biblical faith works. Amen. True biblical faith works. Okay? But we're not talking about that this morning. Today we're going to talk about these trials. How do I know that my faith is genuine? Well, James says you're going to be tested. You're going to take a pop quiz, okay, to see how much you studied. Take a pop quiz to see how much faith you have, to see if your faith is really genuine. God's going to put you to the test. Now, there's two types of words that we use for the word testing in the New Testament. One of them is to evaluate you. Okay, that's not the word today. The word in James 1 is to uh, purify you. Amen. Okay? There is evaluation and there is purification when it comes to testing. God sometimes tests us to show us where we are. Most of the time, God is testing us to purify us, Amen. to cleanse us, to make us Right and righteous and clean and holy to live that kind of a life 
under the leadership of Lord Jesus Christ. So point number one this morning is God can use trials for your maturity. God is going to purify you and grow you. And this is the testing that God, that James is talking about. Let me read it again. Verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What is the end result God is after by purifying you and growing you and maturing you? That you would be complete, lacking nothing. So let's figure out how we can get there by these statements that James has made to us. You know, um, for someone to say, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you are in trouble. When pain and suffering are present with you. Now think about the people he wrote to. After Stephen was martyred and the falling of Jerusalem... Not even that, but the disbanding of the Christians and being chased out of Jerusalem by the Romans and the Jews. They are running for their lives. Some of them probably have been caught and killed. And here comes a letter from some wacko pastor named James. And he says, consider it all joy, boys, while you're hiding in a dark hole, eating whatever, drinking whatever, consider it all joy. Now, who would want to hear that, right? Well, that's kind of a radical type of thinking. And before we come down on James for talking like this, let's go in the Bible and the New Testament to a couple of other radical thinking men. All right? One of them was Peter. Peter said this in... 1 Peter 4, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. Peter also says in 1 Peter 1, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So now we got Peter and James lining up on this considerate joy and rejoicing when you're under persecution or under trial. Trouble, tribulation, considerate joy. We need one more witness. Let's go to Paul in Romans chapter 5. He says this, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. So Peter says rejoice. James says, consider it joy. And Paul says, let's exalt in our tribulations. What kind of a radical thinking is that? Outside the box, wouldn't you say? But since these three guys, great Bible characters, have somehow put this together under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, maybe we ought to take notice of it. Right? So when James says that, he realizes when he writes this, and the first word of verse 2 then is to consider. What does that mean to consider something? It means to think about it, to, to weigh it, to regard it. This is what James is writing to you this morning. Even though you're in a, in a bind about this virus, 
even though you may have lost your job, even though you have somebody who's very ill in your family and you're under great pressure or stress, consider it joy. Think about it. Look for the result of this trial. I want to look at the facts before I want to base my feelings or base my decision on my feelings. Man, that's our first response usually when a trial or trouble comes is we respond with emotions. You know what? God wired you like that. He wired you to be emotional and to respond with emotions. And that's why James and Peter and Paul write to us to look at the facts of the trial and consider this. Consider there is an end result that God is trying to accomplish in you. He's not trying to squish you or hurt you or punish you. He's trying to purify you. He's trying to build you up. He's trying to mature you as a human being, as a Christian, as a follower of Him. Don't judge the results of, based upon our feelings, okay? Emotions are real, but when those have subsided, we need to look at the trial from a biblical stance. Here's one thing you'll notice looking at a trial from a biblical stance. You will notice that trials should not be... Um, I'm sorry, my, my radical thinking of trials is expected not by surprise. The Lord said I would be persecuted. The Lord said I would go under tribulation and troubles. The Bible is explicit that we can expect those things. So when they come, don't be surprised. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.12, the verse prior to what I read to you. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised about these things. Expect them. That helps us to handle it. That helps us to trust a little bit more. Amen? I don't want to shake my fist at God and say, why is me? And throw a fit on the floor and kick and scream because God's brought trouble to my life. The Bible says, look beyond it. Look at its purpose. Look at the result God is after and get there. Find what God is trying to teach you and bring it out and learn it so that the trial will go away. Sometimes we think by our obedience to God that we will have an easy life. And we won't have any trouble as Christian because I'm obedient. Because I'm following the Lord. In fact, when trouble comes my way, I say, why is this? Why is this happening, Lord? I was following you. Most trials are not from a consequence. Most trials are for testing, for Purifying, as I said a moment ago. You may not know the why about the trial, but you can know this, that it's from Him. Do you believe that everything that happens to you first goes by the throne of God before it comes to you? You better believe that. 
you need to believe that. Everything, anything that happens to you first is allowed to go by the throne of God. Think of all the trouble that Job suffered. First, it went by the throne of God. God allowed it. And He allows these things in your life. And you say, but that's too much. It shouldn't be like that. Don't say that. He's shaping you. There's something in your life that He needs to chip off of you. There's something in your life that He needs to rub and get it out of you. There's something in your life that you need to give up. That you need to quit. There's something in your life you need to start. To take on. And God puts these trials in our lives on purpose. Not as consequence, but most of the time as purification for us. This radical attitude does not require that you deny your emotional pain. I'm not telling you to sweep your emotions under the rug and and deny them. When Jesus delayed in coming to Mary and Martha... Did he condemn them for crying about the death of their brother? Of course not. The Bible says he wept. Jesus wept right alongside of them. In Hebrews chapter 5, Jesus, it says, cried out with tears over his death on the cross. Now we think that Jesus never said a word. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was saying words. And he was sweating drops of blood. He was crying out with tears and anguish over the death that he was about to encounter. Paul says in Romans 12 verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. God is not telling you not to have emotions in trouble. He wired you to have emotions. It also says... In Hebrews chapter 12, all discipline is not joyful for the moment. Okay? So he's not telling you to put on a happy face and come in here and hide your emotions and not let anybody know that you're having problems. That's not what God does. But most of us do that, don't we? We put on our Sunday morning face and we come in here and we just smile and greet everybody and life is great. When most of the time... There's trouble in every heart that is in this room. So God's not saying to deny your emotions. He's telling you when those have subsided momentarily in this onslaught to look for the result that He's trying to get. Consider it joy that God is dealing with you. That He is in charge of this trial and He's allowing it to happen to you. Our response to these troubles should distinguish us as Christians from the rest of the world. We shouldn't handle trouble like everybody else handles it. We should not look like everyone else when trouble comes our way. Because we know that behind the tears there is confidence in God. When we do a Christian funeral, there are tears, there is emotion. But it's not like a non-Christian funeral. There's no hope for them 
But for the Christian, there's hope and there's confidence in God behind the pain that we suffer. David said in Psalm 30 verse 15, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Understand that these are temporary things that happen. Biblical joy is not worldly optimism. Okay? I don't have to talk myself into being optimistic in the middle of trouble. What God's doing is trying to help me to see that I need to lean upon Him and trust in Him. And when I make it through that trial, as James says, the testing of my faith produces endurance. So as I make it through that, I become stronger on the other side. I I have more faith and I have more trust in God. It is the joy and the hope of every Christian to have this hope of God and the promises that He has made to us to carry us through that. This attitude, this radical attitude of thinking outside the box results in me making a deliberate choice. Will I trust God or will I not? When this comes my way, these problems and these pains and sufferings come my way, will I trust God or will I not? Is my faith genuine or is it fake? I remember one time I bought a watch. You know, similar to this, but the big selling point is it was waterproof. It wasn't water resistant. It was waterproof. Wow, what a watch. And I wore that proudly. I probably wore that for four or five months. And one of the guys at work said, that's a nice watch. I said, it's waterproof. He said, how do you know? I said, because it says it. He said, well, stick your head in that five-gallon bucket of water. Let's see how waterproof it is. I said, no way. How did I know my watch was waterproof? Because it said on there, waterproof? How do you know you have faith in God? Because you say you do? James says that trial's going to come. And then we'll see how much faith you really have in God. What's your first response If it's emotion, let it subside and go to Him. Okay, but eventually, to have genuine faith in God, you got to go to Him sometime, amen? you got to go to Him sometime in that trial and ask Him to help you with that. This kind of attitude means I make a deliberate choice to trust in God. To trust in God is to believe in His promises. To believe what He says about carrying me through and in causing me to endure and causing me to be purified and causing me to end up perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's God's goal for you. So how do we do that? Trials can be used by God to cause us to mature. Don't look at them as punishment. Look at them as a process of you growing as a Christian. The second thing I want you to see is God's reassuring truth. Look in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. God is sovereign over every trial. This verse implies that God is using the trial. How does it imply that? By the very first word, knowing. I know. I know as a Christian, that this testing of my faith is going to produce endurance in me. That implies that God is in control of it. 
I know there will be a positive thing come out of this trial in my life because I trust Him and I have faith in Him. Is God sovereign over everything? Let's see what Job says about that in his book, chapter 37. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. And to the downpour and the rain, he says, be strong. Also with moisture, he loads the thick clouds. It changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands of the face of the, on the face of the earth whether for correction or for His world or for loving kindness, He causes it to happen. I think Job thinks God is sovereign over everything. Snow, rain, clouds. Let's go on. Proverbs, 13, uh, Proverbs 17 says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 16, 9, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There are some people who want to throw off the sovereignty of God. They want to say that God is not in charge of everything. They want to say that God uh, is a type of a God who is not in Uh, aware of your decisions and what you will decide, but He set the earth in motion and then He's backed away from it to allow it to do what it does. He's allowing men to do what they do and He's not involved in us in any way. He's just there watching and waiting for the end result. I don't believe that's the Creator God that made us. I know better than that. In fact, James says better than that, knowing that the testing of my faith produces endurance. Faith in what? Knowing that the testing of my faith in what? In God. My faith and trust in God. These trials come and they're testing that faith. They're sticking that waterproof watch in the bucket of water. Amen? They're trusting in God to be and do who He says and what He says. This is what James is after for us. God's plan is that He's in control. Some people say this was not in God's plan. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Even a true, devout Christian. This was not in God's plan. Listen to me. It was in His plan. It is in His plan. Everything is under God's plan. Control. Everything. Does he allow evil to run? He's restraining it. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians. When that restraint's moved, then we're going to see evil run rampant. Right now, we think it's bad enough. God is still restraining it. But is he in control? Of course he's in control. He's in control of everything that happens. You know, there's some people that don't believe that God God is in control. He doesn't know in advance the decisions that you're going to make. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Uh, They were born that way. They were born that way. I've heard that a lot as a pastor. When it comes to things like homosexuality, they were born that way. Let me tell you this. If they were born that way, then it wouldn't be a sin. And the Bible says it's a sin 
Why is it a sin? Because it's a choice. It's a choice of a person. It's not that they were born that way. Oh, well, there's birth defects that happen. God is in charge of birth defects. Let me give you a verse. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, saith the Lord? God is in control of everything. All right? Now, if God was not in control, then evil would run rampant. Okay? And then we would think that God's not using these trials to develop us, that they are punishment or they are consequences, or they are certain things because of evil being in charge. And God is not saving, and God is not reaching in and orchestrating and instructing if God was not in charge. God is in charge. He is using these devices and these evils because we say in verse 13, knowing that, I know knowing that the testing of my faith in God will produce endurance in me. To persevere. What does that mean to endurance? It means to persevere. It means to be spiritually tough. God has a reassuring truth. In every trial, there is a promise for our growth and our maturity. Amen? Please look at trials like that from now on. Please work through them with your emotions. Please let those emotions come and go. And in that process, look to God and His purpose in the trial. He's teaching you something. He's showing you something. He's chipping something off. He's adding something to you. Please understand that. These trials are not for punishment. They are for your maturity. Two more things I want to share with you are this. We must submit to this process. All right? Submission. Look in verse 4. And let endurance have its perfect result. The word let implies that you and I must submit. Right? If I'm going to let you do something, I'm submitting to you doing something. If I'm going to let these trials produce endurance, I'm going to submit to the authority of God in my life and allow Him to work His work in me. Now, while I am submitting, does that mean I just sit in the pew and do nothing? I just let it happen? No. While I'm under this trial, I need to be praying that it would relent. Okay? If you were sick and you were trusting in God, would you, does anybody not go to the doctor in here? Of course not. While we're sick, we're trusting in God, but we go to the doctor. Amen. God's not telling you not to go to the doctor. God's not telling you not to pray. There's a lot of things that we can be doing as believers. If I am under trials because of circumstances in my life, while this trial is taking place, I can do to change the circumstance. Okay? That's what God wants you to do. 
pray. I remember an old pastor in Weatherford, his name was George Bryant, and he always said it like this, when you're in the middle of a storm, pray hard and row for shore. Okay? You don't just sit out in the middle of the lake and pray. You change the circumstances around you. You go to the doctor. You have a loss of a job. Are you going to just sit back and let the government take care of you? That's becoming prominent, isn't it? If I lost a job, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be looking for another job. Amen? Amen? So in the middle of that trial of losing my job, I would be out looking for another job, praying that God would relent and save me and give me that job. God's not asking you to sit still and do nothing. God wants you not to ignore Him, not to shake your fist at Him, but He wants you, as Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 4, look at verse 4 again with me. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, there is not a quick fix to your trial. It's a process. Okay? The faster you learn, the faster it will be over. You want to drag it out? God can drag it out for eternity. But He wants you to learn and He wants you to mature. Those two words, perfect, there in verse 4. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete. Does God mean sinless there? No. When you look in the Greek at the word perfect in that verse, it's teleos, which means a maturing growth. All right? A maturing growth. So God says, let the result of this trial be a maturing growth to you. If I had an acorn up here, okay, if I did, I'd hold it in my hand and I would say, what is the maturing growth of this little acorn? And we would go outside and see a mighty oak tree. 50, 60 feet tall, 50, 60 feet wide, huge trunk. That's the maturing growth of this little acorn. So the next time you're feeling discouraged and feeling a little blue, take a look at the mighty oak and see what a nut can do. Okay? Don't be discouraged to the point That you quit and give up. God is trying to mature you. All of this COVID stuff that you and I are facing right now is a trial, is it not? It's trying on us. It's difficult for us. It's heartbreaking for us. What are we supposed to gain from it? We're supposed to look to Him. To allow Him to mature us and grow us in faith and endurance, and perseverance, and become spiritually stronger so that we are complete and lacking in nothing. Nothing can come our way that will hurt and harm us that God does not allow. Remember that. When you are Thinking about these trials, I want your maturity to be God's goal. That is God's goal. Let that happen in your life. 
This is a radical attitude. This is a radical way of looking at Christianity. Consider the problems coming on me and be joyful in them. But I know this, that God's working. Amen? God's working in me. God's working in you. So God can use these trials to grow me. God has a reassuring truth in the back of these trials that He is testing my faith for my endurance. So my friends today, let that have its way in you. Let that be part of your remembrance of today's message is that all these problems that come into my life are trials that God is going to use to grow me and shape me. Let's pray together. Father, we ask Your blessing on Your Word. Thank You for James, Lord, and his writing and that we can consider joy to be a part of our troubles. I know that doesn't sound right, God. But that's what you're telling us today. I don't want to see my troubles and live in them and never get past them. I want them to have their effect in my soul and be more like Jesus. That I might trust you more and I might lean upon you more. And I pray today, Lord, that you speak to all of our hearts in this place. In Jesus' name.